Five, five, four, four, three, three, two, one, one. When I had come down this hill, I had seen this creature cross the road. It would have ripped my locked door from my truck, extracted me from my vehicle, and there wouldn't be a damn thing I could have done about it. This thing, I got to notice in its eyes. Its eyes was real, real evil, real sinister looking. Look, it was given. Sasquatch Chronicles, a place where people share their encounters. Let's start the show. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thanks for being here tonight. Got a great show planned for you this evening. I'll be bringing Dee on here shortly. And Dee actually had a very fascinating encounter. He was out hunting and had the opportunity to observe one of these creatures for about 10 or 12 minutes from a ridgeline. Very fascinating on what he has to say. We'll get to that here in a moment. If you've had an encounter and you'd like to be on the show, shoot me an email. Wes at SasquatchChronicles.com And if you get a chance, check out SasquatchChronicles.com for additional shows throughout the week. I know last Friday, I want to thank Cliff again for coming on. Uh, We talked about uh, that feeling of being watched and that sense of dread that people get. And why do people get that? Why do we get that sense of being watched? Why do we get that sense of dread uh, when we're in different situations? And you don't necessarily have to be out in the woods to get that feeling. Uh, But it's a very real feeling I think everyone out there has experienced. And on Friday night, we talked for almost two hours about it. So if you get a chance, uh, a lot of shows throughout the week. uh, And I'm sure after the first year, there'll be many, many more. I want to wish all the listeners out there a Happy New Year and a Merry Christmas. I know for everyone, it's not a great time of the year uh, because of different situations. Uh, But I just want to wish you the best. I hope 2015 was good to you, and I hope 2016 is even better. So thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. First up, I want to welcome uh, Bob Garrett to the show. Bob, Merry Christmas to you. Thanks for being here tonight. Well, Merry Christmas to you, Wes, and uh, I enjoy coming on the show and uh, talking with you. You know that. (laughs) Yeah, well, like I said, before we went on air, you're always welcome Always welcome to the show. Always welcome to come on anytime you want. Um, and I know Mo, I had Mo on a couple weeks back, 
and he was talking about the East Texas expedition you guys are doing. And for those out there who are interested, I'll give the number out a couple times. But to contact Mo, the number is 443-798-7698. And Bob, do you want to tell us a little bit about the expedition? Uh, yes, uh we have uh, been thinking a lot about uh, doing these expeditions. I have uh, kind of changed my attitude a little bit about my areas, and I have watched a lot of people who were uh, non-believers or people who uh, had not had any experiences. I- I- I've totally enjoyed watching them have their experiences. And I think I've just about experienced pretty much everything I want to experience. So we have decided to actually, uh, you know, start taking people out uh, on these expeditions. Of course, you know, uh, we we do ask a fee. And most of that is, is, is going to, you know, feeding everybody and equipment and, you know, permits and things of that sort. But uh, I, I really enjoy, I, I discovered that for me, it's really, I really enjoy watching these people have their experiences. I don't know, it, it's almost like being in a whole different world, experiencing something that uh, just really isn't supposed to exist. You know, everybody tells you that, you know, no, this doesn't exist, but yes, it really does. And uh, taking them downriver and taking them upriver and taking them uh, to some of their, our hot spots and, and you know, having, uh, showing them what we do also, letting them come out with us when we uh, change uh, our game cam. So uh, letting them come out with us when we put up uh, our trap thermals for the, uh, for the night and letting them come out with us to uh, pick them up and even uh enjoy possibly uh, uh watching the thermals the film clips just to see you know what we've got you know to, you know, to make that discovery yeah it is it's it's very exciting you know within 3 days of us coming down there with you guys i think i had heard just about every vocal i wanted to hear <laughs> and then having a log thrown at us and even someone in our group had a sighting when we were there, one running across the road, he caught it on on thermal, and he was kind of freaking out when he saw that. You know, I mean, there is you got some of the hottest areas I've ever seen, I've ever been to, uh, and it's constant. But for three days, uh, like Mo was saying earlier, it's five hundred dollars for three days. Uh, you get your field guides, you get people who can take you out. They'll show you how to cast. All your foods provided. Uh, there's a safe base camp. And it is an adventure of a lifetime. It really is for the listeners out there. It's something I will never forget going out with you guys, Bob. I mean, I will never forget that till the day I die because there was so much activity. And if people out there, if they want to be part of the adventure and they want to go out with you guys, uh, contact Mo at 443-794-7698. I think February is almost full. I may fly down if there's room. I'd love to come and hang out with you guys oh, you'd, uh, for February. You'd be totally welcome to come down here with us, uh, Wes. I, I would really enjoy it. I really would having you back down here with us. <laughs> I appreciate that. And, you know, like I said, it, it's, it really is the adventure of a lifetime. And 
I'd love to go down there and, and see the people and, and share the experience with everyone because it, it's, it's, I understand what you're saying, Bob. It's different when you're alone, mm-hmm. you run across these things. You know, I'm going to be having D coming up on the show here shortly. You know, he was alone. He had no idea what he was looking at. He was hunting. And it's just, you know, that isn't really the encounter. You, you, know, you almost kind of want to be with a group of people who no one's going to call you crazy. <laughs> No one's going to, you know what I mean? And all these guys have seen it. And so it really is an adventure of a lifetime. If people out there, uh, again, I'll post it to the website, up to the blog. But again, the number is 443-794-7698. Contact Mo. I'd love to get in on it and uh, head down there. Hopefully meet some of the listeners, hang out with you, Bob, hang out with Mo and Tim and that that'd be totally great, uh, Wes. We'd love to have you come down here and and spend some time with us, especially on the expeditions. And I'm sure the people would love to see you and everything. Uh, in, in addition to, uh, I guess, basically just you know taking people out to some of the areas that we go to. Uh, bring uh, bring your game cams, bring your uh, audio or anything that you have, you know, any of the equipment that you have. Bring it out, and uh, we'll show you a good place to set up uh, uh, your equipment, you know, for the night or for the three days. And uh, also, uh, we have a friend who's going to be coming out, and uh, I think he'll be coming out uh, each one of the uh, expeditions, as a matter of fact. And yes, uh, February is filling up pretty fast. <laughs> so it would be good if, if you wanted to come out on, in February to uh, you know let us know. If not, you know, we're also booking for uh, April. We're also booking for March and April. But uh, we have a friend who's going to be coming out, and uh, we kind of have a new technology that we've been using and he was uh he's going to be kind enough to show uh everybody on the expedition uh the new technology that we use actually we will be using uh some very sophisticated drones with uh, uh some very sophisticated uh uh cameras and when i say sophisticated i mean expensive uh he is a drone pilot he uh takes his drone and he and he takes it up from the base camp and uh, he actually films in real time and you can watch the screen as he uh, goes over the canopy and through the uh, clearing areas uh, there in the forest and he can go uh, many miles around from uh, the base camp and it's it's almost laziness because you don't have to tromp all you got to do is just sit and watch <laughs> yeah, I'd love to come down there and I have, uh, you know, I, Waylon I had on the show and uh-huh. he is uh, he sent me some of the video he took from some of the areas and it is amazing amazing footage. I mean, it's above HD what he shoots and like you said he is a real drone drone pilot. It's not like he got his, you know, drone from Best Buy. Oh, no, uh, he's no. an actual <laughs> he's an actual commercial drone pilot, you know, and and the footage he takes is absolutely stunning. Uh, so I got I'd love to be down there to see that. I, I believe the guys were planning on also showing you know some of the things that we have gotten that we don't put out. 
providing, uh, you know, people don't ask where it was, but it doesn't really matter. <laughs> That's actually really cool. I, I'm sure a lot of people will be interested in seeing some of that stuff. Especially the, especially the white, uh, the white Sasquatch or gray Sasquatch we have on film. Yeah, and for people listening so they understand what we're talking about, the drone pilot was able to pick up something on two legs walking that was kind of a grayish-white, and when you compare it to the two guys that were there, it's twice their size walking across. Um, And I've been pretty quiet about the whole thing because I've been asked to be quiet about the whole thing, but I think it'd be cool, Bob, to show that to people um, and to show them that area. That area where you guys filmed that, that's the same area you and I had the log thrown at us. In fact, where we had the log thrown at us was, <laughs> we were talking maybe, what, 100, 100 feet, 150 feet from there? <laughs> yeah, it, it wasn't very far. <laughs> he, he was heading down, he was going down the creek. Matter of fact, what he did was he came and he looked at the guys because they had already had to uh, grown up. And uh, he came to see what it was. Sounds like a big mosquito. <laughs> Once he saw what it was, it was like, uh, uh, forget it, you know. And he turned and went back in. He was uh, not very far from them at all uh, when they actually caught him. And uh, uh, he, he was walking away. But we we got we have him really good in the clearing. I believe that the uh, uh, guys plan to uh, uh, show that video when uh, people come down. And there's some other things, you know, that... Uh, uh, we, we we possibly will show when uh, you know people come down. We we just don't really want to ask, be asked where you know we got these things. You know, I, I don't want to pinpoint it, but uh, but hopefully you know everybody would uh, have their own experience. Many of the people uh, uh, who have come out uh, on the other expedition, which was run by somebody else. Uh, did have some very good, uh, uh, were able to pick up some very good sounds, were able to pick up and have some uh, personal experiences, uh, some sightings, as a matter of fact. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping it'll be just as successful for, for the people that we bring out. And uh, it's really job-dropping <laughs> uh, for some people uh, when they first hear a real Sasquatch so close to the camp or uh, when they have their, their, their very first, uh, you know, sighting. Uh, I enjoy giving people that, that, that experience because let's face it, you know, we're all crazy <laughs> for believing in Bigfoot, you know, seeing things that aren't supposed to exist, but it's awesome. It's awesome to see uh, something that yeah. uh, doesn't exist or isn't supposed to exist. Yeah, it's definitely an adrenaline ride. When I was down there with you guys, it was definitely an adrenaline ride every night. Uh, hearing the Sasquatches, hearing them scream. Uh, I know the first night I was out there with you guys, that female, I say female, it sounded female-like, just screaming at us. And... I remember that's, I was thinking, let's all huddle to a group here in case this thing comes in because it sounds big. But you're right. Even if you've had an encounter, it was different for me to be in an, in areas with you guys where there was mm. constant, constant vocals uh, or having, you know, hearing stuff walk around you or having something thrown at you. Uh, it's It's exciting. It's very exciting. You know, there's no other word to put to it. It's scary. 
but it's exciting in the same breath. And again, if people are interested for the East Texas uh, expedition with Bob Garrett, Mo, Tim Sermons, and to go out with these guys, it's an adventure of a lifetime for sure. And again, the number is 443-794-7698. Bob, thanks for coming on. I really do appreciate you being here tonight. Uh, thank you, Wes, for uh, having me and uh, letting me talk about uh, our expeditions that we're starting here. And uh, uh, like I said, uh, uh, February is filling up pretty fast. If anyone out there would like to uh, you know, come out with us, we would love to have you. You know, Just give us a call at that, at that phone number that uh, Wes just uh, put out and we're still booking for uh, uh, March and April, and those are filling. Those spots are filling up really fast too. So, uh, give us a call. I appreciate it, and uh, thank you very much. Thank you, Bob. Bob Garrett, everyone. Next up on the show, I want to welcome D to the show. D, thanks for coming on tonight. I really do appreciate you being here tonight. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for calling me back and getting in contact with me. I'm not a very good emailer or anything like that i don't do it very well but uh i tried to make it short and sweet and to the point and give you as much information as i could on the email there i hope it worked no it worked out great i'm not i'm not a great emailer either to be honest with you but if you would with your regarding your encounter if you kind of start from the beginning tell us what you were out doing and then just walk us right into the encounter do you just tell us what you okay tell us tell us what you saw tell us what you experienced Okay, it was the second day after Thanksgiving, the second day of buck season here in Pennsylvania. And I had worked the day before the first day of buck. I don't really like going out the first day anyway. I had worked the day before, and I worked at night. So I came home that morning and went to bed for a little bit and got up. And I went to a friend of mine's house, Jay. He's got 28 acres, and we hunt on that. To explain the topography of the land he's got three ridges on his land we call them the finger ridges and it's like if you take your fingers and make a number three out of them like a little kid would do the ridges are just like that the middle ridge which will be your middle finger is probably about 300 yards long until it tapers out the ground level and the other two are much shorter probably 150 to 175 yards long at the top to these ridges And I'm on the middle finger ridge walking down towards, like, the middle knuckle on your fingers. And I look down to my left in the valley between the two finger ridges, and they're not very far apart. They're only about maybe 75 yards from ridge top to ridge top. It's not a very wide area down in the valley there, but down in the valley was this, I guess... You know, I'm confused about this part because he was a really, really dark brown color, not quite black, not quite red, but dark brown, and he had, like, blonde highlights in his hair. Creature, man, beast, whatever you want to call it, standing down in, in this valley here, and he was just, like, milling around, kicking at the ground, at the at the leaves litter on the ground, like he was bored. And I want to say that the day before, on, on the first day of buck, it had rained all that day and all that night, so it really wasn't a good, good time to go hunting anyway. The deer don't move. They lay down. It's hard to hunt. But that day I was out there, it was dry. 
the ground was still wet in the woods because it, it, the sun didn't get in there, and it's you know November, so the sun's not above you anyway. So the, the leaves were still wet. So when I was walking down through the woods, there was no noise. I mean, from me walking through the leaves or anything, it was just normal noise you'd make, say on a dirt road or something. You know, it wasn't. I could hear it a little bit, but it wasn't carrying anywhere. It wasn't noisy. But anyway, this thing was down there in the valley and just kind of kicking around with the leaves, stuffing them up and moving them around. And then he, he was standing right by a probably a six-inch, five to six-inch round pine tree, real tall. The, the, it, was no, it wasn't like a Christmas tree pine tree. It was just a regular old pine tree. And he put his right foot up on the tree and his right arm up above that, way as high as he could reach. And he just yanked the tree, and it snapped, and he, you know, kind of forced it and pulled it on down. And when he'd done that, and I want to say that his left arm, he never used his left arm. I don't know if he was hit by a vehicle. Uh, it looked like an older injury of some type or fell down a uh, embankment or a cliff or something and broke his collarbone because kind of reminded me of that because my daughter broke her collarbone when she was a little girl and she acted like that. Her, you know, it hurt when she moved her arm, but this thing never moved its left arm. It just hung by its side. And after he broke the tree, he went to where the break was on the tree and the stump sticking up out of the ground and he kind of gnawed and sniffed and bit on that area a little bit. And then kind of moved the tree and, you know, brushed the tree all around on the ground that the part that was hanging down because it didn't completely break free of the stump. It was still hung up there. And he goofed around with that for a little bit. And I'm up on the top of this ridge and I'm walking through the mountain laurel when I first seen this thing. And I just squatted straight down. And I was dumbfounded at what I was looking at. I had a an, an old grand rifle that my father bought after the war. That's what he carried in the war, and he liked the rifle. So I was carrying his old grand rifle with me, and I just laid it across my lap and squatted down in the mountain laurel and sat there and watched this thing for like 10, 12 minutes. It's about all it lasted. I know it's a lot longer than other people's, but I, I walked up on this thing, and it never knew I was there. At one point in time, it... it did a complete 360 and sniffed the air like you would say a dog would do, how they wiggle their head up and down and, you know, sniff the air like he sent in something. And he did a complete 360 doing that. And I thought he scented me, but he never noticed me, never even knew I was there, I don't think. And he went back to just goofing around and he seen this stump there. That was probably 10 yards away from this pine tree he had busted. And my buddy Jay and I would go down there with his old tractor and little wagon and cut deadfall up. And we had cut this tree up, and it had been loaded with ants, some big black carpenter ants, because when we hit it with the chainsaw, it just exploded with ants out of it. So we burned it up in his burn pit where we always had parties and stuff. But the stump was still there. And he was standing there, he looked at the stump, and he cocked his head a little bit to the right like he's studying something, and he walked over to the stump and squatted down, just squatted straight down, and with his right hand, he started breaking this stump apart, 
and then he was sticking his hand or his finger down in the stump and leaving it there for a couple of seconds and then pulling it out and licking on it. And I figured he's probably letting the ants crawl on his hand and then eating the ants off of his hand because they were big black carpenter ants we have over here, you know, and they're, they're devastating to the some of the trees. And if they get in your house, they're, they're a pain to get rid of. You know, they, they eat wood. He did that for maybe five or six minutes, licking the, the ants or whatever, termites or whatever it was off of his hand. And then he just kind of got up. He looked around a little bit. He looked up the ridges on each side of him. And then he kind of wandered on down towards, like if you were looking at your fingers again, towards where your fingernail was at. And he went on around the, the edge of the the ridge there. And I lost sight of him. And I sat there for maybe an hour just dumbfounded, you know, at, at, in awe of what I had just witnessed. Because I don't, I never thought they were in the area. I really didn't. And And this one here wasn't a big one like a lot of people talk about you know he was no seven eight nine ten foot or twelve foot one he was only my size he was maybe six foot to maybe six five i'm six two so he was my size you know and he was skinny and after we had talked before i was thinking you know how do i explain skinny and what he looked like he looked like a cross-country runner he uh his skin was black you know, and he and when he turned around 360, his face looked like a boxer that had been punched in the nose a few times. His nose was prevalent, but it was flat, you know, and his nose, his, his holes in his nose were huge, I thought, you know. And I'm, I was 56 yards away from this guy, 168 feet, because I have a laser range finder because I hunt with open sights. I range find this thing. I carry it on a little lanyard around my neck, and it's a scope that you'd look through, and inside the scope, when you push the button, it lights up how far things are away from you. And I always like to range find my distances before the deer get there so I know what I'm, you know, where I'm shooting to. And I range find this guy, and he was, like I said, 56 yards away from me, 168 feet, but I was about 60 feet above him on this ridge. So it was, you know, looking down at an angle towards him. It was just the most, I'm at a loss for words, but you want to say strangers, but the most dumbfounded thing I ever seen, I was in awe of just looking at this thing. I was never afraid because I had enough firepower with me. If it ever did notice me and charge me or whatever, I could have taken it out with the gun that I had. But it never noticed me, and I didn't feel any kind of fear, no aggression. The only sound that this thing made was when he sniffed the air and was wiggling his head, he was making this, like, raspy, grunt breathing sound, like my grandson does when his head stopped up, you know, <laughs> like that. And when he did that 360, he had his teeth showing, but he wasn't, like, aggressively. It was just the way he scrunched his face up. I could see his gums, and his gums were black. They weren't red or pink or any. They were black. And he had yellowish, you know, nasty-looking teeth. You could tell they don't brush their damn teeth, but uh, he had, I'd say, canines, but they weren't huge canines. They were just 
a little more prevalent than the rest of his teeth in his mouth. And his teeth were all crooked and, and they weren't perfect. You know, they looked like, I don't know, somebody that's been punched in the mouth and, and had his teeth moved around in his mouth. You know, they were just all in going different directions and stuff. They weren't straight. Like you'd see, you'd think like a dog's teeth are, you know, they were, they were messed up, but, uh, I didn't, you know, I don't, didn't notice if it had a, a cone head or a flat head. I don't think it had really, if it had a cone head, it wasn't something that stuck out, you know, at me or anything. Of course, I didn't focus on that anyway. I was just more tunnel vision on what this thing was in my mind on 9,000 miles an hour thinking, this can't, this ain't a big, this isn't what I've ever heard of a Bigfoot. And I don't really hear a Bigfoot encounters in the area. So I don't think this thing lived there. I think it was passing through the area, you know, and just traveling from point to point. And it, it was just, I, I don't know. You, you can't, you can't explain it. You know what you want to say, but you you just can't find the words to say it because until you see one and those who've seen one know exactly what I mean, you know, you're just in awe. Yeah, you are. You are in awe when you see these things, you know, it's, it's, it's a very fascinating encounter because again, here's another example of you're not expecting to see it. You're not out looking for it. You're not uh, hunting it down. All of a sudden you're out doing your own thing and bam, there it is. How long ago did this encounter take place? Uh, 2005. Thanksgiving, the second day of Buck after Thanksgiving of 2005. So November. I don't know what date it was, you know, but that that's when it happened. And it's interesting, too, D, that you mention, you know, this isn't what you expected a Bigfoot to look like. Most people who have real encounters, that's the first thing they say. Because they're expecting, I think, the Patterson-Gimlin film. Right. And when they don't get that, it kind of throws them off. Like, well, what is this thing? When you saw it, can you kind of describe the face? I know you you started talking about the teeth. And it's interesting you mentioned the gums being black. Because I've, I've talked to a lot of witnesses that have seen them with their mouth open. And they'll say they have a black mouth, black tongue. But would you describe it more of an ape or more of a person? How would you really describe the face of what you were looking at? <sighs> I would describe it as a Neanderthal-looking thing, more of a combination between the skin was black like a gorilla. I mean, glistening black, oily, you know, like a gorilla. The skin was, but it didn't have that gorilla's face. Yes, it had a mushed-down nose, and its nostrils were more straight out than down like a human's, but they weren't, you know, it, it, it had... It had human-looking eyes. You know, they weren't, they were dark. They were, I couldn't see color at that distance, but they were dark eyes. It was like, a, yeah, just a, a unibrow, you know, big, huge unibrow. Not not the brow ridge, I would say, was big and heavy, but the, the unibrow, he had a lot of hair above his eyes. Nothing on its face from his eyes down to, like, his chin and then his chin, he had the darkish brown hair, like a beard, and it was longer. And I would say his, I didn't see ears, I didn't see a tongue, I don't know if it was black or not, but I saw the gums and the teeth were all disgusting looking. I'm sure it had 
atrocious breath. You know, it, it Neanderthalish looking. You know, have you ever seen the the wax moldings of you know the scientists doing what the Neanderthal should look like? It kind of looked like that with a flatter nose and thin thin lips. You know, it didn't have big, huge, puffy lips. It had thin lips but a wide mouth. If you know what I mean. Yeah, I do know what you mean. Uh, and when you say wide mouth, was it, how would you describe it, a bigger jaw than you and I? Yeah, his face was, his head was wider, I was, you know, wider than ours. He had really pronounced jawbone structure. Uh, but his mouth, like our mouth is probably on a normal human, and you know, two and a half inches wide. This thing probably had a, I'd say a five-inch opening, you know, for if he closed his lip and you measured from edge to edge, maybe a five-inch slice there for his mouth. It was a big mouth. And if he would have opened it, you know, it was probably, you ever seen a gorilla yawn, how they can open their mouth and, uh, you know, they got a big mouth. That's kind of the way this thing was. But he never opened his mouth like that. He just kind of snarled and crunched his lips up so I could see his gums, you know. So I don't know if his mouth would open. How was the creature proportioned? Like the arms and the legs? Oh, well, yeah, I was going to say that earlier. I would say like a cross-country runner. His He was muscly. He had tone and definition, but he wasn't you no know, Hulk Hogan or nothing. But if you ever seen like a marathon runner, they've got long, sinewy, long, stringy muscles, but they're powerful. That's kind of the way this thing was. You know, it was skinny, and I don't know if it was because it had the wounded arm and it wasn't getting the nourishment it really needed to get and he was losing weight or if it was a juvenile that wasn't fully bulked out yet but you know his arms were bigger than mine and i'm a six foot two man 240 pounds with pretty good sized arms his arms were bigger than mine but in proportion to him they were long and like from his his elbow up was shorter than from his elbow down to his hand you know, it was kind of weird looking the way his, his arm was. And his left arm gets hooked out by his side. And I wouldn't say it was as long to his knee, but it was not too far above his knee either. It was longer than what a human's arms hang down. Uh, his his legs were skinny, but you could tell he was a powerful walker or runner or something like that. They were They were well-developed legs, you know, not... Bulky, muscly, but you could tell he could probably run long distance like a cross-country runner or something like that for a long time, you know. That's kind of the impression that I got from him. Yeah, it's interesting, your description. It makes me think of the Minnesota Iceman. I don't know if you've ever seen that or not. I don't think so, no. I've heard you guys talk about it, but I've never really seen it. Yeah, it kind of interests me. It's kind of the same descriptions that you're giving. Did you notice anything about the size of the hands or the feet or the way he walked? Uh, his, and again, I, uh, his left hand looked like it had been swollen because it was bigger, kind of like if you ever see a soccer player goalie, how they wear them big fat gloves on their hands. That's the way his left hand looked. It looked like it was swollen, like something like that. So it was bigger. It was, he didn't use it, and it was bigger than his right hand. But his right hand had long skinny fingers it looked like maybe Andre the Giant if you ever seen his hand up against a normal person's hand it probably was about like that it was just his fingers were 
to his proportion, they were long and skinny, but to my proportion, he had some big fingers on him, you know. I wouldn't say it was he, he looked funny that way other than his left hand because his hand looked like it was swollen and, and big and puffy, but his right hand was normal for him, and, you know, he had long fingernails. I know that, but he had long fingernails, and they were fingernails, or his, his, uh, the, the nails itself were a darker color, like reddish or brown, dark brown, you know. I don't know if he was muddy or what it was, but he had a lot of leaf litter, like, sticking to his his fur or hair or whatever you want to call it. I'd say hair. He had a lot of leaf litter, like he was laying on the ground or sitting on the ground. I just think it's interesting, the, the whole description of the left arm being kind of swollen. You know, the creature's obviously not using it. And your description of it using its right foot and its right arm to rip rip apart this tree makes sense in a situation like this. You know, it's it's unable to use its left arm. It makes you wonder, was the thing shot? Was it hit by a car, like you said? Uh, was it a deformity? Well, you know, uh, Jay and I talked about this, and he said, you know, if that thing was deformed from birth, the parents probably would have killed it thinking that it wasn't going to survive. So I don't think it was deformed from birth. I think it was something, an injury that happened later on in life that had maybe been a month or so or, you know, three weeks old. It either had a busted collarbone or a broken arm, but it wasn't using that left arm and its hand was swollen. You know, you could tell his hand was bigger than the other hand. You know, and that's the only thing I could say about it. I didn't get close enough. I didn't, you know, walk up to it and say, hey, man, what'd you do to your arm or nothing? <laughs> I was just sitting there thinking, what the hell am I looking at? You know, I, I know I've heard and I've seen Bigfoot stuff. I'm not really into the topic, but, you know, like, like some people live by it. But, and I'm not discrediting those people that live by that. I just, you know, have other things going on in my life, and this was the last thing in my life I would ever see because I've spent thousands of hours in them woods, cutting trees, uh, hunting, uh, just walking around, you know, and stuff like that. And and I kind of lost my train of thought here, but, you know, I was in awe of this thing. It didn't look like anything that I had ever heard of Bigfoot was supposed to look like and that's kind of what astonished me i guess you'd say yeah no i think it would astonish most people i wanted to ask you did you see any facial expressions or did you notice any facial expressions just the only thing he did like when he turned around in a 360 was scrunched his nose up and and his lips and that was it Uh, you know he looked like he was bored is what it looked like when he was walking around kind of milling there and not really doing anything productive, just kind of kicking at things. It looked like he was bored, like, you know, a little kid, like, took my son out hunting. He's walking through the woods, dragging his feet, kicking and stuff like that. You know, like, come on, Dad, when's the excitement going to happen? Well, that's kind of the way this thing was acting. It was just acting like, well, I ain't really got nothing to do today. I'm just going to kick around here and, you know, oh, well, there's a tree. I'll break it off, you know. But no facial expressions other than when he scented the air, his lips. You know, he just mushed his face up like he was smelling. Yeah, and that's, I've heard that before. Absolutely, I've heard that before. So it finishes ripping apart this log, and you're in a perfect, really are in a perfect position to watch this thing without being noticed. But you're up on this ridge line, you're right. watching it rip 
apart this log. It gets bored. It walks off. What do you do next? Sit there. Trying to run this thing through my mind, what I was witnessing, what I saw. Uh, just, I, I would estimate between 45 minutes and an hour, I didn't move. And the whole time this was going on, I was stone cold still. Other than the one time when his back was to me and he was sniffing at the stump of that tree, I took my rangefinder because I carried on a lanyard around my neck and I just pulled it up. I didn't put my eye to it, but I could see the digital readout inside and I squeezed the button and that's when it said 56 yards. And that was the only really movement that I made. And then I just left it down and put my hands back on my rifle in my lap and just sat there and watched this thing. He, you know, and, and after it was done, I guess it was probably that weekend, that next weekend, because this was a Tuesday and I had to work the rest of the week. Probably the next weekend, I actually went to Jay's house and I was talking to him and I asked him, I said, you know, Hey Jay, you know, you ever have anything weird happen around here? You know, anything strange? And he goes, well, what do you mean? I mean, what do you mean strange? And I kind of told him the, the story of what went on. And he said, no, I never really noticed anything other than we, we would pile his wood up that we cut in a pole building and doesn't have any sides, but the one side of it to face the woods, the wood was drug out and thrown, you know, 10, 15 feet away from it. And just, he just took the wall of the wood that we had cord wood that we had stacked up and just pulled it down, you know, whatever this was. And we, we've talked it up to a bear and the only other thing he said that he noticed wrong or weird was he lived in a mobile home that we had added on to. And this guy was a retired police officer. And he's dead now. I miss him every day. But the backside of his house that the public couldn't see, was there was nothing. It was just that you could tell it was a mobile home. And it was an older mobile home, so the tin siding or aluminum siding had had oxidized over the year and when you touched it you got that white pink dust on your hand and he he said that this whatever it was it looked like it took its hand and was touching the trailer but it took his hand and like swiped at the dew on the window and there was a smudged handprint of something on the window on the back side of his trailer and that window looked into his living room and right across from that window he had probably a hundred gallon, maybe not that big. I don't know. I'm not good with gallons, but it was a good sized fish tank that he had lights in and there was fish swimming around in there. And at night, you know, it was like a bluish color and stuff like that. So this thing must have seen the light and looked in the window to see the fish tank, but he never saw anything. Jay never said he seen anything. You know, he just noticed that and he had to go, he was pissed because he had to go out and get the ladder out and go clean the window. You know, I'd say the window was probably, I don't know, five foot, six foot off the ground. You know, it may have been coming up to the, to look through the window to see the fish tank. That would definitely draw attention. Yeah, draw attention to us. You know, you see a, a blue light coming from inside a house, and I would imagine that would definitely draw curiosity. I want to ask you, when when you're looking at the creature, how long would you say the hair was across the body? It depended on where you looked on the body. To, to what the length of, because it was all different lengths. But I would say on the head, the back of the neck and the shoulders was probably three to four inches long. It was longer there. And the rest of the hair, and it was all matted up, you know, with 
dirt and leaf litter and stuff like that. But it was probably two, maybe three inches long. It was a little thicker, wouldn't say longer, thicker up around its shoulders and maybe down halfway on its back. And then it kind of thinned down around its buttocks. And it only turned around the once that I seen the front part of him. And it was definitely a male. It was definitely a male. Uh, around the chest, it had hair, but it was thinner hair. You know, it was, wasn't that it was longer or shorter. It was just thinner hair around its chest, like its pec muscles and stuff like that. And then down on its belly, it got thicker. And down around its groin area was, was real thick hair. And, and his legs were, I'd say probably to his knees, it might've been three inches long, you know, his arms. Now, when he, when I never seen his left arm, but his right arm, when he was reaching up, you could see the hair hanging down, you know, so that was probably maybe four inches long. Your description's right on uh, with what I found in that area that you're talking about. You know, people will describe these things as being a little bit smaller. Uh-huh. You know, I have guys that are six foot, six foot five, and they'll say, oh, it's about my size. It really wasn't much bigger than me. And the other thing that's interesting, especially in the area you're talking about, because I have taken a lot of reports from that area, and people will describe it as being like an African-American man. Or they'll just a real ugly African American man. Yeah, somebody who's been in the boxing ring for a while, you know. Yeah, or yeah. like I was telling you, Bob Garrett always says it's they have a face only a mother could love. They, you know, and that's it's interesting in that part of the the country, people will describe these things as being more human like. Because I'll ask them, was it more chimp like? Was it more ape like? Would you? How would you describe it? And they'll say, to be honest with you, it was more human like in the face. It wasn't human. But it definitely looked no. more human than ape. Right. And the description of the hair is interesting, too, because um, I get that a lot with a lot of people that have the opportunity to see these things the way you saw them, D. At the length of time you got to see this thing, they'll describe the hair as being, well, it was a little bit shorter here and a little bit longer here. Not necessarily uniform. Um, and so that's an interesting uh, take. I find the whole arm thing fascinating. There's very, very few people I've talked to that have described that, you know, as, as far as uh, some sort of injury. I, I had a witness on right. one time that talked about um, something was wrong with the left leg. Like the whole body moved like a well-oiled machine except for the left leg. And what she said right. was is as it walked, it was very stiff, like there was something wrong with that left leg. She didn't know if it had been shot, but there was definitely something wrong with its left leg. And you experienced the same thing, except for it's an arm. Right, yeah. And, and you know, it didn't limp or anything, because I watched it walk away from me, and it didn't have a limp or anything. So it wasn't a whole right or a left side injury. It was just that arm. And it, it, it you know what kind of stuck out to me was it was more in the shoulder area than its arm, the shoulder, the upper arm area, than, than its lower arm or its hand or anything like that, because it it really didn't move its elbow a lot, and it never moved its fingers, but it didn't, it, it seemed to me like it didn't want its arm to swing. Yeah, like there was something wrong with it. it, it yeah, exactly. You know, it didn't want to, it didn't want to, it wanted as little movement out of that arm as it, as it possibly could get. It didn't grab it or hold it or anything like that. It just kind of dangled there, but it never, 
and that's what stuck out to me because that's what I, you know, I'm sitting there like a dog here in a new sound. I'm cocking my head, looking at this thing, trying to figure out what it is. And it never moved its left arm. And I'm thinking, well, I wonder if it's hurt, you know, and I don't know if it got shot. I don't know if it got hit by a car because there's two major highways right here around me. And on the other side of both of those highways is two major rivers that are there's houses along there, but there it's this is a very, very rural area of Pennsylvania where two rivers come together. And if it was down by the river if it had to cross the road or it had fallen off of a, a a cliff. There's a lot of shale rock around here and I don't know out west if you have shale, but it's a very loose rock. You know, you can take a rock and just break it in your hand. A lot of uh it's real brittle rock, and it moves under your feet. So if it was walking along an edge, a cliff top or a, a bank top, and the, the shale moved, it could have fell and rolled down the hill, broke its arm. I, I don't know how it did it, but that's kind of the injury it looked like. It didn't look, you know, like it had been torn open or anything by a wild animal injury. It just looked like it was hurt. Yeah, the other thing I, I thought was interesting, and I've I've only talked to a few witnesses that have talked about this, which I think is odd, but I know a lot of people see this. The sexual organs. So when you saw it, you definitely knew it was male? I definitely knew it was male. Yeah, it was. I mean, it wasn't. It wouldn't have been a shame to be seen, you know, I, I'd say. It's, it's, his testicles hang down, hung down lower than his organ, but it, it, it was definitely sizable, I would say, to be, try to keep it clean, you know. Yeah, and that's interesting, too, because a lot of people that have seen that, have been in that position to see that, they'll say that. They'll say it was it was kind of large, uh, and you don't really hear yeah. that from, well, you know, most witnesses, they don't catch them out in the open. They'll see them in the bushes or running across the road or, you know, in retreat, so a lot of times they won't, they'll, th- they'll say, well, I, th- I thought it was a male, but I don't know, but... Very few witnesses have been able to see that and go, yeah, it was definitely a male. I know it was definitely a male. I, I just think this whole encounter is fascinating, D. I really do. I think uh, you're lucky to be in a position you were with the rifle at an elevated position where it didn't know that you were there. And and the other thing, too, about the encounter I find fascinating, it's very mundane-type behavior. It's kind of bored. It rips apart a tree. Yeah, it finds yeah. some ants. It eats the ants. Uh, it eats the food, and then it gets up and just kind of walks off. Did this ever change your mind on going back out hunting? No. No, no. I, I mean, it, I didn't go out no more that year, but basically because of taking time off of work and things like that, I didn't have time. And, I, you know, I have a family, so I didn't go out on the weekend. But I've been back to that area, and Jay died in 2007, so the ground was sold, and it's posted. It was sold. His daughter sold it to a, a council member, and she doesn't let anybody on there. And, you know, we had free reign of the place, Jay and I. Of course, he owned the land, but, I mean, I had free reign of the place. I'd go up there and help him cut wood, and we were rebuilding an old Chevy pickup in his garage, and, you know, we were just best friends. And he had a massive heart attack and died in 2007 and like i said i miss him every day he was like a father to me but uh i i I don't go out in that now we have state game lands around our house that i don't hunt on 
I have another friend that owns a farm, and I'll go out there. But it wouldn't have changed, maybe because of the, you know, the type of behavior that it was. You know, it didn't have a, it had an I don't care attitude, basically a bored attitude. It didn't frighten me. It dumbfounded me, but it never frightened me. I never thought that I was in any danger. And you know, of course, I had a rifle big enough to to take it down if it charged me or anything like that, but it never showed any kind of aggression. And I don't really think that it ever knew that I was there because I was squatted down in the mountain laurel. It only turned around once. Like it was, it caught a scent of something and it sniffed around 360 to find out where the scent came from. And then it went back to meandering and doing what it was doing, you know? So no, it didn't, it didn't change my, I thought, I keep an eye out more in the woods now, but I don't think I'll ever see something like that again. I really don't. You know, of course, I never thought I would see one in the beginning. So, well, it's a fascinating encounter. It really is. You know? It's one of the better ones I've heard, and I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. These are the encounters I love to hear. Not the researchers, not the people. Uh, it, it, the people that, like yourself, D, you're out just doing your thing. And you run across this thing. It's like, what the hell am I looking at? I can understand where you're coming from in the sense of it didn't, it really wasn't that big. It really wasn't showing any aggression. Um, And so I I get what you're saying as far as not having the fear, but I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and, and sharing it. I really can't. Well, I appreciate you listening to me. I mean, you, Jay was the only other person that I've ever opened my mouth to. And, and and I was listening to your show. I found it somehow and started out listening to it on Skype and listened to it on my phone, on the podcast. And then I listened to every story that I could listen to without becoming a member. And then I joined up just, I think it was last week when I emailed you. And you're the first person that I have ever sat down and told this story to that's other than Jay. And... That's why I wasn't given my name because I, I have a professional job and I don't need to be ridiculed and laughed at. I have 30 years in here and I'm too close to retirement now to, you know, to have to deal with that. So, I mean, people, I hope people understand, you know, I'm very, I'm a very professional person. Uh, my job is to observe others and and things that go on around me so maybe that's what helped me out observe this thing i it just you know that's my training it, it's nervous i'm nervous because i've never really told the story to anybody i've kept it in all these years and it's kind of like a weight lifted off and the only reason i contacted you wes was because i've listened to most of your shows and i've never heard you ridicule or, or make fun of, even when the interviewer was off the air, you've never said anything too derogatory about that interview. You listen to it. You may not agree with it, but you listen to it as a man, and I respect that, and I'm glad, really glad that I've got to tell you my story. I really do appreciate that, and, you know, yep. I, I believe you 100%. There's way too many details, in th- and you're too dead on with way too many details in the encounter. Uh, I, I mean, it's it's fasting, and I really do appreciate the kind words. You know, I, I really do try hard to make people feel comfortable when they come on the show and to share the encounter because I know how uncomfortable it is to because you never know what someone's going to say or, or say to you, and uh, it's 
kind of a personal thing. You know, you've seen something that supposedly doesn't exist and you're trying to come forward and be honest. And the last thing you need is someone beating you up or, or being a dick. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I just can't, and thank you for, you know, me being the second guy to hear the encounter. Thank you. Thank you for that. I'm honored. Oh, you're very welcome. I, I thoroughly enjoyed this. I was nervous when you called the first time thinking, oh man, all these people are going to hear me, but it wasn't like that. It was like, I'm talking to a really good friend and just sitting down and telling him what I saw. And, and you know, personally, I don't care if people believe me or disbelieve me. I know what I saw. I saw what I saw. I'm still unsure of what I saw in a way, you know, I know it was a Sasquatch, but even to me, I sit and think about it, you know, did I, how come me, how, why me, why did I have to witness this, you know, and that's kind of the thing, you know, I don't care if people believe me or not. I know what I saw. I saw what I saw and I'll tell you the truth. Yeah. And you'll go through that. You'll go through that for a long time. Uh, you know, as as far as did I really see that? You know, you'll question yourself. Did I really see that? Uh, and that's something that you'll just have to get over. You have to go through that. But I think everyone goes through that. I went through that. Everyone that's had an encounter goes through that where uh, you're in shock in the beginning and then you question yourself. God, did I really see that? And then you'll get to a point to where you're like, well, what was it? What right. What are these things? You know what I mean? You're kind of past the point of like, does it? Do they exist? Yeah. You're at the point of what are they? Yeah, you know, I know they exist. I mean, I saw one. I, with my own eyes, God gave me. I saw this thing. I know it exists, but what is it? I don't know. And and I I hope that one day we find out. And you know, and I sit here and I think back to myself. I had a gun in my hand. I could have been the guy who brought this thing in because I could have easily went up there and got the four-wheeler and drug it out of the woods. It wasn't that hard. I could have shot this thing and been the guy who proved it, but I never even thought about picking that gun up. It never crossed my mind, not not one time. I almost hate to say that's the problem with hunters. You know, most people think hunters are just bloodthirsty monsters that go out and kill animals but that's not really the case that it really is not the case they're usually when it comes to gun safety right. they're the guys you want around because they know once they shoot you can't take a bullet back most of the time in those situations right a lot of hunters have been in the same situation you were in d where they're in a perfect opportunity to shoot one drag one out and yet they don't I guess it gives credit to some hunters out there or most hunters out there uh, because they don't do that. Um, even though it would have been nice to bring it in. Um, <laughs> I hate to say that. I sound like, I sound like a monster saying that, but um, it would have been nice to bring it in. But most hunters, that's not their mindset. Most hunters aren't like that. Most hunters, they shoot something they're going to eat. And it goes even beyond that. Most hunters, if they have a bad shot, they won't take it. Unless it's a clean shot where you kill the animal right. and you do the animal justice and it's the right thing to do. Unless all those things add up, most hunters won't take a shot. Right, and this thing was standing in, in the open. There wasn't anything between him and I except for mountain laurel. And I could have stood up and headshot at this thing, but I never thought of that. You know, I knew I had the gun in my hand. I knew I had that. I knew I was protected. But I never thought about taking a shot at this thing, maybe because it seemed, it, 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 it 
reminded me of what a human, how a human moves and walks, and and it remind it was more human than than ape, and it would have been like shooting a man, I think, you know, and it just, I don't know, I don't, I, I really don't know to this day, I, it doesn't run through my mind every day about this, you know, but uh, I think about it time to time, and I'm I'm like, what, well, you know, I don't know, I I want to know now. And I want somebody else to be the guy that pulls the trigger to find out. And I'll say, that's exactly what the hell I just saw. Mine was smaller. Mine was wounded. But that's the creature that was in our backyard, you know, in our backwoods. Yeah, you'd feel a lot better about shooting it if it charged you or if you felt like your life was in danger. You'd feel a lot better about shooting it. But, you know, I get it. I get what you're saying. I mean, you see this saying, it's kind of minding its own business. It's not really doing anything to you. I think maybe that's a sign of a good man that doesn't pull a trigger. But, you know, I think really in a lot of states, that's not the case. In a lot of states, these things are very aggressive, and they do harm people. Now, do they are they all bloodthirsty, soulless monsters? No, uh, they're not. Uh, there are some that, you know, there's more curiosity and probably will leave you alone. Which is probably mo- most of the time they'll probably leave you alone. Yeah, yeah. But there is bad situations where people do get harmed by these things, and it would be nice to have someone bring one in. But I get what you're saying, D. I mean, honestly, I get it. That that really is a sign that you're a good man. The first guy that shoots, it's going to be infamous. Most of these guys think think they're going to be famous, and they're going to be famous, but they're going to be infamous. Yeah. Uh, and that's you know, it's it's going to be a a rocky road, I can guarantee that. Well, yeah. I, you know, that never ran through my mind. It was just that, you know, I was just more into watching this thing and seeing what the hell it's done. You know, I'm, I've had deer cross in front of me that I was just in all of beautiful bucks. And I was like, man, this is your lucky day because you're too good looking to shoot. I'd love to take you home, but you really need to be alive out here. And he's on, you know, the deer are on private property, so nobody else can shoot him. And then we've got a bunch of deer hanging around out there you know but i've taken my share of deer i've hunted I've, i eat it you know don't hunt don't go out there and hunt what you're not going to eat my dad always said and we eat the deer but i just couldn't even think about putting a gun on this thing you know and it was it was an amazing experience in my life i'll never forget it and even though it happened in 2005 it's like it happened yesterday yeah it never leaves you does it yeah no it doesn't it doesn't i can see this thing in my mind's eye, I can see this thing turning around and sniffing the air and grunting his drunching his teeth, you know, his lips up and sniffing in the air. And I could see its face and it was an ugly SOB, but it was, <laughs> it was beautiful in its own right yeah. too, you know? Yeah, no, I get that. Most people who get a really good close look at the face. That's they, they all say the same thing. It's the ugliest thing I ever saw. Yeah. Uh, and I always laugh, a laugh about Bob Garrett saying they have a face only a mother could love. And I could see, you know, most hunters love animals, too. And I could see you almost having mercy on the thing for it's busted on. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I guess I could, I could put myself in your shoes. I mean, that's what I would be thinking. Uh, even though I'm pro-kill, I think one should be killed and brought in. I am, too. I'm pro-kill, but I don't want to be the guy that does it. You know, I'm pro-kill all the way, but I don't yeah, want to be the guy I that does you. it. Just one. Just one. That's all you need. You need the evidence of one I agree. to prove the existence of these things. And I really don't need that because I've seen one. I know they exist. 
Yeah, I think if I were to shoot one, I'd shoot shoot one for everyone else. All the people that have been laughed at, all the people that have been called crazy, all the jobs that have been threatened, all the family members that have teased people, um, all the people that have attacked other people and said they're lying or they're... I would probably pull the trigger for them. I yeah. I know full well, once you shoot one, you might get rich and you might get famous, but at the end of the day, you're going to be infamous too as well. And it's not going to be an easy road to go down. Right. You know, I'm the richest guy in the world. I've got a beautiful family and a wife and, you know, so money that I, I didn't care about that, but I never thought of it either. You know, this, this happened long before I was really, I don't think if I ever, ever, didn't see one, I wouldn't have been any more interested than I am now that I've seen one. Now I'm interested in what did I see. Yeah, no, I understand that. Well, thank you, Deeth. Yes, you have yourself a good night, Wes. I hope you and your family have a very, very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. That's coming up here soon, so I just want to wish everybody out there happy hunting. Yeah, Merry Christmas, Dee. Thank, thank you again for coming on. All right, no problem, man. Have a good one. And that's it for tonight, everyone. Remember, if you've had an encounter and you'd like to be on the show, shoot me an email, wes at sasquatchchronicles.com. Have a great night, everyone. Merry Christmas.